0: My name is Maximus Decimus Meridius.
1: I am. Hello, hello, welcome back to the Post Credit Pod. Today, as always in every episode, but today is an extra exciting day because for the first time since July 2019, we have new Marvel content, Eric. It just feels like Christmas
0: morning, doesn't it? I will say when that theme song dropped, this mm. morning i was like oh shit that's what mm. this is like i forgot it's game time
1: it's game yeah. time it's the playoffs um, baby
0: speaking of theme songs I'm, i I feel like we need to update ours to have like a 1950s bewitched post-cred pod theme song yeah we to, definitely need like a do
1: do, do 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 for wandavision so <laughs> obviously that is the big story that is our a topic of the day wandavision the first disney plus marvel series and like we said the first piece of big blockbuster new marvel content in more than a year but before we dive into our kind of episode recaps analysis review and all that good stuff we have to address the big marvel news from yesterday thursday which was that chris evans is potentially returning as captain america in the mcu now i say potentially because deadline which is pretty much the gold standard for Hollywood exclusive uh, scoops. Said that he is in talks to return in some capacity, not in a Captain America movie, but in something more akin to Robert Downey Jr. and Spider-Man Homecoming. And that there is an option for a second appearance. Variety followed that up with a story of their own. Notably, the Hollywood reporter did not. And then Chris Evans, just throwing some more cryptic juju out into the world, tweeted news to me with the shrug emoji. So right now, we don't really know what's going on, but I think we have enough of a track record of Marvel creatives and actors and executives being cagey to kind of lean towards this being some sort of truth. Wouldn't you say, Eric?
0: Yeah, and I I just want to touch on you pointing out who reported on this. As pointed out by friend of the pod, Guyler Schuler, he tweeted that, so THR and Deadline are both owned by the same parent. Mm-hmm. Deadline reported the Evans story, but THR didn't, and then THR then reported on Evans' tweet about it, despite not writing the story itself. So I'm curious as to how a two of the three big trades are not in lockstep with this, and b the fact that they're both owned by by the same parent and are seemingly contradicting each other. I'm also
1: interested how far up media industries butthole we can possibly get with this it's okay. <laughs> like you said i mean same parent company different reports variety is is their headline was like chris evans is returning in some vague way which i've never seen such a kind of glib uh headline from variety so it, it's clearly all a, a little bit of a clusterfuck but like that said, i said
0: in the past we saw this with uh what's her face tatiana uh, Maslani playing She-Hulk. She denied and denied and denied when rumors were out there until the MCU made it official themselves. So look, and I'm sure that this is something that they probably wanted to keep close to the chest. So this may be an attempt to keep this as close to the chest as they possibly can. What I think is fascinating is that usually the, this news comes out right before the project they're signing up for starts to film, right? So where does that leave us in terms of what's upcoming?
1: These are just a handful of theories that Eric and I have been texting about or that are just out there in the ether. They're things that we've come up with on our own. Uh, Like you said, I think it's possible because they mentioned Robert Downey Jr.'s role in Spider-Man Homecoming that they bring Cap back for a mentor role in Black Panther 2. I hope they don't do that because I think that brushes dangerously close to kind of white savior territory. We don't really need that, even if they have the best of intentions in mind. Yeah,
0: but you recall that Cap spent a lot of time there post-Civil War. It wouldn't be, it, it wouldn't just be out of the blue. He has a, I mean, I get your point, but I think there's enough of a connective narrative tissue especially from what i've heard rumors that black panther 2 is gonna address t'challa's death so with the death of a character that big looping back in someone like cap would make sense to me
1: and yeah and like you said with a new individual taking the black panther mantle It does make a certain amount of sense, but I also think because it's such an insular country with its own kind of hierarchy and and place within the MCU universe, it doesn't need Cap to be like, you should do this. But if that is the case, he could also remain old man Cap and it could be present day. I don't think Chris Evans would sign on to come back as Cap if he had to sit in the makeup chair for six hours though, which is one reason I I think that might not happen. I also think Black Panther 2 represents a ton of opportunities for either nakia lupita nuongo's character shuri uh uh to leticia wright's character mbaku uh who's the actor's name escapes me at this moment or which is this is not going to happen but it is interesting to think about what if potentially they introduce storm as the leader of wakanda since she has ties to them in the comic books and that's a great way just to be like hey x-men
0: stuff Oh whoa! I did not know that. Interesting. Yeah.
1: So she she was married to J'Challa in a, in a certain comic storyline. So that's that's one of many theories we have. Eric, you want to hit him with your with your Russo Russo Bros exclusive?
0: Well, I mean, look, this would be great if this were true, right? And at the time, this was. I spoke to them last. What was it? It was about July or August. And I had asked them because they had, it was not the first time that they had said this, but it was the first time that they explained about it how they had previously hinted that they would return to the MCU for a story called Secret Wars, which is massive. I mean, it's, yeah. it's sort of impossible to explain how big it is. Like, you, it would need its own podcast. Point is, it's bigger <laughs> than Infinity War and Endgame. And the Russo said, That, quote, to execute something on the scale of Infinity War was directly related to the dream of Secret Wars, which is even larger in scale. It would be the biggest movie you could possibly imagine. So that really excites us about the story. The ambition of it is even bigger than the ambition of the Infinity Saga. Now, to try and be as brief as I can. Secret Wars would present an opportunity for the MCU to, to use heroes, both new and old, heroes we haven't seen and won't seen again. So that would present an opportunity to loop back in Cap, not just in a supporting Tony Stark in Homecoming way, but in a substantial protagonist role. That would be something of a one-off. Do I think that they do this? No, but do I think it's possible that Because as Deadline Report said, uh, this could lead into more than one appearance. I do think it's possible that they eventually decide, you know, shit, man, we want ourselves some more cap again.
1: (laughs) And correct me if I'm wrong. There is a connection between Secret Wars and Secret Invasion, the current developing disney plus series with samuel jackson's nick fury and ben Mendelssohn's talos
0: that is do you know that because that's a little bit above my pay pay i
1: i i believe there is a connection there are some some shared storylines and one thing that i think could be interesting in terms of trying to entice chris evans the actor to come back is if what if a scroll has some way shape or form impersonated Cappy, so he kind of gets to play a little bit of a new role while coming back to familiar ground.
0: Yeah, right, right.
1: Now, my my theory, another theory bouncing off that is that this could just be an altered dimension Hydra Cap, who has obviously a huge st- uh, storyline in the comics, who is like their ultimate sleeper, sleeper agent. He's from another Earth, and given all the multiversal shenanigans we're about to get into, I think some sort of brief appearance makes sense.
0: Could you imagine? <laughs>
1: But that's another one where like, okay, Chris Evans gets to have a little bit more fun instead of just right. playing the Boy Scout. That's why I think the he'd classic. be interested in it.
0: Do you think that that's really his driving goal to do something different? Like, wh- you know what I mean? Like, I what think do you the think-
1: only way they get him back is by offering him a unique performance opportunity. That doesn't mean that one of our theories is going to be right, but I would be surprised if it's just very straightforward. Like, hey, I'm here. Here's my inspirational speech. Goodbye. I'd be yeah. very surprised if that was it.
0: Yeah, because something I've heard also suggested is a miniseries about him trying to return the stones. I doubt we get that, but that would be sweet as well. Um, and,
1: and if we still want to do time travel too, I mean, we know Loki season two was just announced. And we know Loki's going to be popping around all throughout time. Why not go back to the 1940s, have something a little bit closer to Captain America, the first Avenger, as kind of like a refreshing full circle wrinkle.
0: Yeah, and that would be very cool. paths
1: with him. And as Variety notes in their story, it's not guaranteed that his appearance is a movie.
0: Whoa, the Wolverine suggestion is pretty wild.
1: So yeah, this is probably the least likely of all of our theories, and I wrote about it today for Observer, and I noted that this is the least likely. But... What if, despite the fact that Wolverine has been featured prominently in blockbusters for 17 years, what if Marvel does want to introduce the X-Men and mutants via a solo Wolverine movie? And what if, because he is essentially an eternal soldier, that movie is a World War II movie with him and Cap fighting side by side? Now again, (laughs) that's not going to happen, but on paper, that is one of the cooler ideas.
0: Yeah, and did you
1: think of that on your own? it was a combination of uh me discussing with a friend how they could come about and he said well what connections make sense for characters they haven't used so it was, it right. was definitely a team effort and we reached true that's a, that's wolverine. Awesome.
0: and doing that with captain america and wolverine who are two wildly different people <laughs> yeah. with two wildly different ways of getting things done that would be awesome now bottom line if you had to if you had to guess, if you had to bet, since we both like to bet, winning them is a different story. If you had to bet, what would you say the betting favorite is?
1: I would say the field. And what I mean by that is that none of these ideas are correct and that they will introduce, reintroduce Captain America in a way wholly unexpected from what you and I are speculating about because that usually seems to be the case. That's what they do. Yeah, Yeah, so I would take the field.
0: All right. I would probably put I would probably put Black Panther two and Secret. I, I I'd put Black Panther two at none of them are like favorites. They're all plus odds, right? <laughs> yeah, I, I would yeah. put I would put Black Panther two at like plus one fifty. I would put Secret Invasion at like plus two hundred. And then anything past that is like a proper long shot.
1: Yeah, you know, that that's like a one in a million. I'm, I'm putting 20 bucks on it to win a 1,000.
0: But Wolverine, World War II film, I'll gladly throw a light little 10 bucks on that. Why not?
1: That's like one you just want to see and you're willing like, to lose money on it. Yeah, yep. But if you guys have any theories that we didn't discuss and just any thoughts on the return, potential return of Chris Evans as Captain America, definitely let us know at post-cred pod. We're always down to not only engage with you guys about this stuff, but include more quality theories in the next podcast in which we will absolutely cite you guys in your handles. For
0: sure, for sure.
1: All right, Eric, should we move on to WandaVision? Because, like, it is crazy that it's been this long since we had a new Marvel product to talk about.
0: Damn it, why?
1: (laughs) All right, just to start. Before we jump into the plot recaps of the first two episodes, I am interested to get your thoughts because for me, I am someone who really likes experimentation, especially after 23 films that are more or less the same formula. I love that WandaVision, which finds Wanda and the supposedly deceased vision living out the seemingly idyllic suburban life while trying to conceal their powers, even though, again, he's dead. And each episode essentially amalgamates different sitcom motifs and tropes from the latter half of the 20th century. So our first episode starts in the 1950s. Our second episode kind of moves into the 1960s. And that is all borne out not only by the way it's shot and directed, but the clothes, the hairstyles, the black and white colorization. So I'm someone who who thinks it's very interesting to go into new territory. I want to talk a little bit about the screeners that I received because I'm a little bit of head of the average fan. Uh, I'm not going to get into spoilers, of course, but it's important to the discussion, but essentially I'm someone who needs to see the back half of this series to have my ultimate decision made. But I think there's a lot of promise with experimenting with form and function and using that, as a way to delve into grief and mental
0: instability. So yeah, I mean, I more or less agree. I, I gotta be honest, I liked this more than I thought I would. Um in its early goings, it's it is very much a sitcom. And if you they are into-
1: committed to the bit. Everybody yeah. listening, you guys gotta know what you're getting into before yeah. you jump into this.
0: And so if you go into it expecting anything else, if you go into it expecting endgame light then disappointment is guaranteed. You'll likely find yourself disinterested, if not frustrated by its sort of tediousness, especially if you aren't in tune with the various homages to sitcoms past. But if you allow yourself to embrace the inherently classic nature of this series, and I mean, seriously, I'm not sure I've ever watched a TV show as quote-unquote old as WandaVision is trying to be.
1: (laughs) You never watched I Love Lucy or Bewitched growing up? No, no, no. Oh, man, dude, there's some really classic storytelling there that I think would be good for a pod in the future.
0: So I'd say that if you go into it knowing that that's coming and remind yourself that this is all building towards a traditional action-packed MCU blowout that we've all come to know and love, then WandaVision transforms into this subtly unsettling mystery that's ready to burst at the seams at any given moment. There's something primally thrilling about the what I call things-are-not-quite-as-they-seem genre, and WandaVision has that in spades.
1: Yeah, I, in my review for Observer, I called it a fantastical time-hopping conspiracy, and I agree, and I'm gonna we're going to get more into it once we get to the plot recap, but there is an undercurrent of unsettlement throughout it, especially the, towards the end of the first episode, which I think gives it a little bit extra heightened tension and suspense beyond just like, oh, this is a cool homage and send-up of classic sitcoms. Uh, now, to what we said. You may be frustrated by the tediousness. You may not like how committed to the sitcom bits it is. The fact is, it's not a superhero show. It really is just a sitcom that happens to feature, you know, barely any line of sight connections.
0: And let me explain to the extent that that is true. So my mom and dad for Christmas, they're both retired. So they bought themselves a new puppy. And so I've been home a lot to just be with this dog because who doesn't want to be around a puppy? What's the puppy's and name?
1: Winnie.
0: Aww. So I'm on the couch this morning at like 7:30 to watch the show, and my mom comes out of a room with the dog and says immediately, "Is this bewitched?" Which <laughs> I didn't. Which I didn't even know. You know, like I wow. wasn't exactly in tune with the direct references that were being made. And my mom ended up sitting down and watched with me, and she enjoyed what was very much a sitcom styling of her childhood
1: and i assume uh, she's not super knowledgeable about, about the marvel no cinematic and i
0: right of course not of course <laughs> not i was at first i had to explain the idea that these films have been connected for 10 plus years yeah but then i sort of explained all right vision has got these powers wanda has got these powers they this is not their normal world but regardless of all of that the sitcom trappings were so true To its core, that she was able to enjoy the sitcom part of it without understanding the superhero part of it, which is an impressive feat. And that is on purpose, because as I texted you this week, while home with my parents, as retirees do, at 7 o'clock, they watch Jeopardy and Wheel of Fortune. Love it. And yes, that's on ABC, which is owned by Disney, but they were running commercials for WandaVision, which is... Look, that's an old demo that watches that show. So they are clearly trying to pick off any adults with a vague uh, comic book interest or even just have Disney Plus because of their kids and are trying to hook them with, hey, let's blast to your past of your childhood. And I think
1: that's great. And I think it's, we have recognized, we've talked about it on recent pods and I talked about it in my review. WandaVision is absolutely going to alienate large swaths of casual audiences because it's commitment to the bit, because it is an extremely slow burn, because it's not peeling back the curtain barely at all across its first three episodes. The first two were released today on Disney Plus. I've seen the third uh as part of my review. And I just want to say this is not a spoiler. This is not a spoiler at all. But for anyone who feels a little bit on the fence about it, by the end of the third episode, the central mysteries start pushing toward the center. And to me, that says, okay, we've had our fun. We've, we've had a lot of experimentation. We're going to continue to do so. But this is building towards a more traditional-esque Marvel climax. And so I think that's really cool that it can kind of bridge that gap and be the best of both worlds for different styles, different formats, and different audiences that it's trying to reach. So anyone on the fence, I would say just keep pushing through. And at 25 minutes, this is a very survivable running time for anyone who's not a hundred percent on board
0: initially. And not just is it a light, breezy watch, but I found it to be actually funny. I found the sitcom jokes to work, you know. So very charming, right? Yeah, yeah, for sure.
1: All right, let's jump into the plot recap so we can kind of expand this conversation to what we actually saw instead of just what we thought. Uh, episode one, with its so throwback old-timey introduction, which I loved, you know, the theme song uh, yep. was great. It basically finds Wanda and Vision, their quote-unquote newlyweds, because they just kind of appear in this universe together. And uh, later put rings on their fingers, just like Beyonce said. And essentially they appear in this town of Westview during what is the 1950s. And their initial goal is just to blend in. They want to be normal everyday suburban citizens in this quaint little suburban town. And that means uh, concealing their powers. It means vision in public, you know, using his Paul Bettany face, not his his vision face. (laughs) And I like how they, essentially discover a heart on a calendar but they neither of them can remember what the occasion is now not only is this just silly hijinks but it also speaks to what you said eric there's something not quite right here and that theme that idea continues to reverberate outward
0: throughout this episode Um, and i think using the sitcom genre to ratchet up tension and unfurl that sort of uneasy mystery is a fascinating combo fascinating combo
1: yeah because you would never ever really um equate the sitcom genre with a mental breakdown with grief over a lost uh, a loved one you know it's it's weird but purposely so and effectively so
0: like it's they're using the politeness of a time gone by against itself to make it awkward and tense and out of place it's
1: Off kilter and askew at every moment, despite the haha laugh track, you know,
0: exactly, exactly, which they did film in front of a live audience.
1: That's really this cool. Show. And just f- yeah. fun fact Lucille Ball, I Love Lucy, is underappreciated as one of the m- most pioneering producers, uh, who also happened to be female at a time when that wasn't uh, very common. She popularized the live studio audience.
0: Oh, okay, very cool, mom, right? yeah, uh huh.
1: A good fun fact all right so what vision goes to work at computational services inc which i just thought was so funny because everyone is wowed with his ability to crush data quickly and yet <laughs> he has no idea what he's doing there and one guy's like you're like a machine he's like no i'm not I'm a normal human made of carbon and and meat and blood and ha 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 i just <laughs> thought that was a hilarious little bit um so while he's there he decides oh this must be uh this must be because of my boss is coming over for dinner. The hearts, that's their last name. This is what must be the heart on our calendar. Meanwhile, Wanda meets Agnes played by the always amazing Catherine Hahn, And she decides that it must be their anniversary. So already we have a very classic sitcom trope of just the misunderstanding about the common uh, event. And what that leads to is Vision bringing home his boss and his boss's wife and... Wanda trying to set the mood for a romantic anniversary dinner and comes out in what was then in the 1950s, a very slinky, sultry, sexy dress, which they just chalk up to her being European. And there's a nice little laugh track there. So that was a good little, I don't know, hijinks tidbit. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Even though that this is a style that I'm not really that is long before my time, I still enjoy it. There's something you used a great word charming but again the fact that it's this layer of charm and this layer of normalcy papering over a larger darker conspiracy like for example when vision goes to work and they do all those jokes that you said but at some point it's like what do we do here like what is my job that is not knowing what you're doing where you are what's going on with your world is like almost Hitchcock-esque in a sense. You know what I mean? Like he, It's he...
1: intentional, intentionally disorienting, which you would not really expect from a sitcom. It's its a, its combining these old school laughs with a deranged avant-garde feel.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: And I think actually that's best represented, and I think perhaps the best moment of the pilot to me is when Vision's boss starts choking and the wife is stuck on this loop saying, ha-ha, stop it, ha-ha, stop it, and... and, and they're all wondering what's going on. What do I do? No one's moving to help this man. Finally, Wanda's like, vision, help him. He uses his powers to bring the food out of his throat and everyone acts as if nothing at all uh, of, of, out of the normal has happened. And I thought that is probably the best, the best synthesization of, of everything we're discussing here. This melding of two, opposing styles and conflicts and this idea that something's not quite right about this world i thought that was fantastic and frankly very unsettling and off-putting in a way that really works being like holy shit this is weird i need to see what happens next
0: yeah and i think one of the stronger parts of that scene that, that you just brought up more so than uh the wife who of course is the mom from that 70s show um is sort of Wanda's moment of pure clarity, right? She's like looking not just at Vision, but directly into the camera and, and almost through you. And yeah. she ha- and she once again has agency over the world around her, tells Vision what to do and he does it, which, you know, it, From like it, a
1: functional standpoint, you're right. That that's a that's a clue a little bit.
0: Yeah, for sure. She it, the threat of somebody dying wakes her up momentarily to The fact, like she wasn't asking him to help. She was telling him to do it. And And he he did it. Yeah. So, and you could just see it in her eyes that she's realizing that the fact that Vision didn't immediately jump up to help him suggests (laughs) that something is clearly not right.
1: And that feeling that something's not right. I, I just liked, I liked how they represented this idea In this episode and across the first two episodes, but the idea of being lost outside of reality and Wanda's mental state as she grieves vision and overcomes the trauma of being snapped in and out of existence. I think those are actually mirrored by the several fake commercials running throughout the show, specifically in the first episode, the spokesman for the Stark industry toaster product. He proudly states, forget the past. This is your future. That, to me, is very ominously relevant and on the nose in this cheeky sort of way.
0: I didn't forget, even catch that.
1: Yeah, Wanda, forget your real past. Right now, this illusion is your future.
0: So do we think that she's being held by an enemy or a friend? So that this is, this is what I've been
1: thinking about since I watched her. For months leading into WandaVision, we have all assumed that she creates this reality. And that still very may be the case, but two things. Number one, as we discussed on our previous pod, you did a deep dive into who Agnes, played by Catherine Hahn, may be. And that character has comic roots in a witch-like character who has illusionary abilities of her own. That's one, th- uh, one thing to keep in mind. And it's clear that Agnes herself, Catherine Hahn's character, knows way more than she's letting on. Yep. Number two, we hear that in episode two, which we'll, we'll now get to in terms of plot recap, we hear the disembodied voice of Randall Park's FBI agent, Jimmy Woo, asking Wanda, who is doing this to you? Wanda, who is doing this to you? We hear that through the radio as the real world starts to bleed in a little bit more. Again, that would suggest someone might be doing it to her and she's not necessarily creating it herself. Maybe it's a combination of both. I don't know. But these were the really, really fun theories I started kicking around. And the reason I kind of like WandaVision's commitment to the bit right now is I have so many unanswered questions about the greater mysteries and conspiracy.
0: Well, and I think that you bring up a great point is that is this weekly release best suited for this sort of, Unfolding mystery show. Had they released the entire first season today, I probably would have crushed the whole thing because it's not as big as Amando. It's not as easy to sell on the week by week release format, but I can't really make that call until I've seen the whole thing. But just as you just said, the fact that other characters are aware of what's going on and the hints that they're throwing at you that something is not right, it does inherently drive you to want to watch more as soon as you can.
1: I actually have made that call. I have told all of my friends who who like Marvel, but are certainly casual as compared to you and I, I said, guys, I think your best bet is to let a handful of WandaVision episodes build up and binge a bunch at one time. Because I can tell you, you you know, based on their preferences. And again, the casual viewer, not everyone. I I can tell you that you may not be fully on board with the commitment to this sitcom bit. And I had seen three episodes to start. So I, I said, this might work better for you guys as a binge. And like you said, The Mandalorian is designed as a weekly mini movie with blockbuster action. This is a slow burn, intentionally dense and impenetrable conspiracy mystery. They are not equivalent in terms of how we consume them. So if you're even remotely on the fence, just let like five episodes build up and crush them all at once.
0: Yeah. And then just to tie a bow on episode one, it is confirmed that things are not as they seem because the closing shot reveals that all of these events are being viewed by somebody in sort of a, you know, office secret hideout type setting watching on a TV screen.
1: Yep. Someone's monitoring this alternate world which to me i was like oh snap
0: yeah so you know in terms of uh setting up the proposition of what this show is going to be i'm in Mm
1: -hmm.
0: you know even after just one i'm like okay i am in
1: now episode two we move up to the 1960s immediately we see the opening theme song changes
0: and you could see the changes in and this is from my mom she noticed that the in the first one their house was a ranch and then it changed uh, yep and then their hairstyles changed too
1: the hairstyles I noticed I did not notice the actual house that's really cool and of course yeah. the clothes change and like the the interior of their home changes. I didn't notice the the ranch style that's really cool yeah. So this one opens, Wanda and Vision are in bed together, yet those separate beds that was considered, you know, the moral uh, uh, alternative to beds together back in the 1960s and they are hearing strange noises outside their house. It's like this banging. And they're both too scared to to go check it out. Um, The next day, they're preparing a kind of magic act for a neighborhood talent show that Dottie, who is this, Perfect embodiment of 1960s blonde, you know, bitchy motherhood in terms of she. she's like a really mean PTA woman who kind of <laughs> rules, rules the, the group of suburban. The moms. neighborhood. Yeah. yeah, exactly.
0: Very. Uh, uh, what's the uh, five? Yeah.
1: And so they're putting on a talent show to raise money for the children. We never really get a specific example beyond that, but we get this very cl- creepy cult-like repeating of for the children. Every <laughs> in this show. And then it's, again, it's these little things that I'm like, this is odd. In, purposely so, because it, you're, they're trying to create a, an ease and a sense of discomfort, which I like. So Wanda and Vision are practicing their routine. It looks to be going pretty well. Um, Wanda and Agnes then split off with Dottie to kind of discover more about this, this, this talent show and, and what goes on in Westview and how Wanda wants to fit in with these group of women. Meanwhile, Vision goes to the neighborhood watch uh, meeting and swallows a piece of gum, which then, no pun intended, gums up his system because he's a machine, even though we saw him tasting food in Civil War. Um, it just messes <laughs> him up. But he basically is like drunk for the rest of the the episode. And so as he's performing his talent show in front of the whole town, he's using his real powers and Wanda is using her powers to kind of cover up and try to avoid being exposed in front of these suburban citizens. But again, this is more of that there's not... There's something off here, as as the audience is kind of aware of what's going on, but but not so much. And I think vision here actually says a bit of a thesis statement for the entire show. He says, "Well, as he's being this magi- magician in front of everybody, we are going to tell you our little lie, and you are going to believe our deception." And I genuinely think it's those moments that are just one degree away from full awareness that not only turn the normal MCU machinations inside out, but are little clues as to what's going on in this faux universe. You know what I mean? What do you
0: think he means by that?
1: Well, he is just saying it as what their magic act is going to be. But as an audience member, it's like, okay, Wanda is in this little lie and she's believing the deception that is this world when we know this isn't the case. She's being told a lie and she's accepting it.
0: Right, gotcha, okay. A, yeah, point. so it's a bit of yeah. like a
1: microcosm for what's going on in the actual show. Meta, self-aware, any of that fancy-schmancy mumbo-jumbo. Yeah,
0: but hey, great call. I did not pick up on that one.
1: I also like episode two because while she's in stuck in these terrible meetings with these terrible, to the terrible Dottie, she befriends Geraldine. Now, this is not a spoiler at all, okay? But we know, based on what Marvel has said, that Geraldine is Monica Rambeau, gra- grown up. We know that That's this isn't like they're not trying to hide it. That is the actress who talked about it openly. So it's one cool to see a connection to Captain Marvel, because that's when we last saw her uh, as a child. And two, it's another clue like, OK, there's this real person here who we know exists within the MCU. What is that all about? That raises its own set of questions.
0: And when she does meet her, things begin to become strange. That's when she starts to hear the voice on the radio before this she had found a red toy plane in her bush so her world is starting to collapse in on itself and they make it quite clear that jeldine either a also forgets who she is or b is intentionally lying about it which i think is the uh, case and it's at this moment that you start to see how the outside world is trying to force its way into this fake world
1: and like you said earlier at every moment, it seems like this fake world is bursting at the seams, and here are where cracks continue to Like emerge. it's holding
0: on by a thread, yeah. It's holding on by an absolute thread.
1: Exactly. So I-, I wish we could get a little bit into episode three, because I think that has some very interesting things. Obviously, we will do that next week, but... Yeah, th- those are the first two episodes. Those are the larger beats of the first two episodes.
0: Don't forget the ending of episode two where they're back at the house and then that, that like guy in the Oh, beat, yeah,
1: yeah. And- oh, yeah sorry, I completely forgot. So
0: After the talent show, the talent show is well received, but not for the tricks, but because the crowd thought it was funny. So they go home and they're being all sweet and they kiss and they make jokes when they hear that same loud thud noise that we had heard at the start. And when they go outside to check it out, they see a man wearing one of those, I'm sure there's a real word for it, but one of those sort of, uh, yeah, a beekeeper suit comes out of the manhole. Wanda panics and then literally rewinds the reality to back before that guy popped out. Um, He does not pop out this time, showing that she's clearly in control of it when she wants to be. Uh, and then right before it ends, the black and white changes to color, yes. and they enter the 1970s.
1: Now, I have talked to a few people, and they all agreed with me. I did not recognize the be- the man in the beekeeper suit. I did not know if we were supposed to recognize him, if we were supposed to think he's a character from before. Multiple people I've asked have been like, "I've never seen that guy."
0: Yeah, of course. How would we? How how could you expect us to?
1: I don't know. I was wondering if so it was oh, like that guy uh, is. I was wondering if it was a deep cut that's supposed to enlighten us. But yes, that was another super odd thing. Is it the real world trying to break in? I don't know. Is it another example of, of, like you said, Wanda controlling this universe to a certain degree? Definitely. The fact that she can rewind any time she might be confronted with the truth says to me that not only is this a self-controlled and created world, but that she is working through grief and doesn't want to be reminded that no, vision is dead and your life is missing a big part. And yeah,
0: you, know, you clearly. were stacked
1: in and out of existence, which has got to be some serious shit to deal with.
0: Yep, clearly. Like I,
1: I love how in Spider-Man Far From Home, Peter Parker's like, yeah, no, I'm good. I know it's been five years and that I didn't exist for a while, but like, I'm just a kid. I'm resilient. Like I would need more time to like work my way through that, you know what I
0: mean? I actually thought that this ending scene was the strongest part of the first two. As we had talked about in our preview pod, um, I had thought that they would, you know, obviously because this is how a TV show works, that they would drop a tease at the end of episodes one and two to really bait you. And I thought both of them, episode one ending, revealing it's being watched through a show, and then that episode two ending where that guy pops out of the manhole both qualify as very enticing draws to keep going going forward and and finding out where the show is going and i would say
1: to that again no spoilers that episode three does does a good job by by its end of pulling back and zooming out even just a little bit more one or two degrees more to where you're like okay another piece of the puzzle
0: yeah so Uh, would you have preferred For them to release this all at once,
1: I think perhaps it would work better for mass audiences if it was bingeable. I'm okay with a weekly release personally.
0: Yeah. See, I wish I could have crushed the whole thing now, if not only because of the type of story it's trying to tell. I have completely bought into this things are not as they seem way of like applying that to the MCU to me is a fantastic combo.
1: And just one last additional point on that notion. And to my theory, that's not really a theory. I think everyone probably thinks this that Agnes knows more than she's letting on. Through the first two episodes, she constantly talks about her husband, Ralph, and we never see him once, not at the talent show, not in any moment where it would be normal for her to be with her husband. He is clearly not real, and she's clearly up to something.
0: Yeah. So, but did they bring that up at all in episode three? <laughs>
1: I would say that episode three does a good job of maybe underscoring that people within this universe might potentially be harboring secrets or are simply just acting erratically and oddly that you would not expect from the suburban idyllic perfect life.
0: Gotcha. Yeah. I'm hyped.
1: All right. So let's go into our awards and categories. Cause one, this is probably the most fun segment we have each week. And two, it allows us to kind of hone in on specific elements that we like or dislike from any project that we're talking about. Now, today, in place of the Real MVP Award, we're going to give out the Infinity Gauntlet Award. Fine. I'll do it myself. Now, to me, this is going to go to both showrunner Jack Schaefer and director Matt Shackman because this is not an easy show to create. This is not an easy vision, no pun intended, to execute. And this is certainly not easy from a logistical standpoint in terms of the dynamic versatility, aesthetic-wise, of what is on screen. And combined, the showrunner, the writing, and the director do a great job of mixing all the writing and visual elements to create this rapidly changing, constantly evolving show and not make it, too overly ridiculous and 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 really kind of connect it to the sitcoms of old so i just thought that was impressive
0: so for me i'm going with uh the whole sitcom bit you know this is probably the most experimental project the mcu has ever done just like with soul i give it credit for simply having the balls to try it (laughs) um as we talked about last week and i think that we made some great points the streaming era, while inherently gluttonous and capitalistic, has created this creative vacuum that it needs to be filled, that the likes of Pixar and Star Wars and the MCU have been mandated by Disney to fill. And the result of that is stuff like this. Stuff is it's truly outside the box. Yeah. And for it to for it to go against everything we've come to know from this genre is a is a welcome expansion of the genre itself. It is, while obviously a smaller scale and may not be for everybody, it is something entirely new to the superhero comic book world. And anytime you could do that and do so as consistently high quality as Marvel does, I'm in for it. So. I, you know they could keep this sitcom bit going for the next episodes they could do it for the whole season i don't really care i hope they keep going as i said last week i would love to get to the point where they're doing seinfeld so, <laughs> pl- so hopefully, yeah, hopefully we're getting there yeah so mine's the bit
1: all right the thor the dark world award for the worst performance death would have come to you soon enough not by Johan. Aptly named by our very own Eric Italiano over here. I have to be honest. I am going with a pass on this. And it's not because, oh, everything Marvel does is so brilliant. I need more time to figure out what I most dislike. And it's very hard in the first two episodes with a cast that we're largely familiar with in terms of the main stars, for me to be like, that was the worst performance or that was the worst story element or something of that nature. So. I know it's a cop-out and a bit of a soft answer, but give me a couple extra episodes. I'm sure I'll find something where I'm like, man, that sucked.
0: For my Thor The Dark World Award for the worst performance, I'm going with the non-bingeable release. Uh Um, You know, A, because they're so short, even though I've heard the last few will get longer, I think, because of its style and because of how long it's been since we've had an MCU film. I would love to have just binged <laughs> this today and gotten my fix. Uh, and that's just not me being a greedy fan. As you pointed out, I think that would have been a better sell to the average fan. I totally get why they didn't do it that way. Yeah. We're going to do seven more podcasts about this show, and that's probably why.
1: It's helpful for us.
0: Yeah, for sure. <laughs> but uh, the fact is that, and I, you know, it speaks to the strength of its plot. I want to know what's going on and I wish I could find out r- right now.
1: Me too. But that actually brings us perfectly into the Jarvis Award for Best Performance by Anyone except the lead actors. Allow me to introduce myself.
0: I am Jarvis a Virtual Artificial Intelligence, and I'm here to assist you with a variety of tasks as best I can.
1: Because I want to know what's going on, and I specifically want to go know what's going on with Katherine Hahn's Agnes. I, I love Katherine Hahn. She's totally selling the 1950s like you got to do it for your husband darling yeah oh, yeah she's and amazing funny. and i mean I mean, you guys know her too she was in miss fletcher from hbo she's probably maybe best known that Derek's, yeah Derek's wife from Step Brothers. but she she's the voice of uh dr octavius and spider verse she is wonderful in everything she's when in. She's this when chaotic she popped energy. up
0: my mom knew her from she's like oh she's from revolutionary road I was like okay mom <laughs> like, see a, there you go yeah, that just shows how broad of a range of Work that she's done.
1: So she's doing great work already. You know, my husband, Ralph, is such a, you know, meatloaf of a man. (laughs) And I'm just like, what is going on with you? So I I really just love her. And I think as the show gets on and we dive more into the mystery, her role is going to get a lot meatier.
0: Yeah, for sure. There's a good chance that she is the villain.
1: Very possible. And she would be a great villain. Yeah. Is that that your answer as well?
0: Yep, yep, yep.
1: Perfect, all right. The What the Fuck Award. What are you most confused about thus far,
0: Eric? Uh Uh-huh. All right. So how Wanda went from kicking Thanos' ass to potentially under someone's control. Like, I'm very just curious. I hope the show explains how she got from where we last saw her to where she is now. Because that's a pretty big gap to fill in. The last time we saw her, she was utterly dominating Thanos. And now she's, like, under a spell. Yeah. Um, so I'm definitely most confused as to not what's going on and where it's going, but how we got here.
1: I think that would be interesting, I hope they delve into that as well. Uh, for me, whether it is a universe created by Wanda, whether it is a universe created by someone else and she's under their spell, I want to know how it's viewable via a TV. Like, I know that's a very... Well, specific- that, would suggest,
0: that would suggest that she's under the control yes. of someone and they're either watching her as she does it or forcing her to do it and trying to learn from it
1: but how they're even able to monitor such a thing like if you create a fake universe i didn't know you had you know uh an nfl broadcast tv rights deal in place i want to know the mechanics of that because that's related to like what is going on what is the opposition's abilities and powers things of that nature right that's what I, what I'm interested in and, and most confused upon. Uh, the Timestone Award for rewind that real quick. Basically, any element you think deserves a, a second rewatch or a return to.
0: I'm gonna go with when Wanda literally rewinded that real quick. Um,
1: that, that that was my answer as well.
0: <laughs> I uh, I thought it was an awesome display of her powers. She was just like, no no no, this is not how things are going down. I thought the sort of beekeeper bad guy in a a show that we've, I'd say the biggest praise that we're giving it is sort of how it's using its sitcom to underscore this under layer of evil. Uh, I thought that that beekeeper popping out of a manhole was a great visual cue of that an extremely disturbing image. Um, Definitely
1: related to the what the fuck award of the week.
0: Right. So yeah, for me, it'd be this scene where she literally rewinded (laughs) the world.
1: I agree, and I what my hope is too is that the rewind ability carries out throughout the season so then we can go and, you know, t- maybe right before the season finale, look at every single example of when she used the rewind pa- uh, power and try to pick out patterns and clues from each of those scenes on this pod. I want to yeah. do
0: that. Yep, yep. So I'm
1: hoping it, it sticks around. All right, <laughs> put this in Odin's Vault Award, which is our put this in the museum award.
0: Odin's treasures fake This the stuff in here is fake
1: essentially taking an element we find particularly impressive and preserving it now for me I, I think we've talked about it a lot but Marvel's willingness to break its standard producer driven formula which can occasionally render final products a little flavorless is not the case here keep allowing your creators to push the boundaries a little bit being a little bit weird uh you know I, I watched the trailer for the falcon and the winter soldier uh, about an hour ago and while i think it looks fun and action-packed it looks so traditional and straightforward that i'm just a little less enthused about that than i am about wandavision or loki or the animated what if so hey let your freak flag fly marvel
0: uh, <laughs> I, uh, it's a solid choice for my put this in odin's vault i'm going with okay. wanda in 1950s lingerie man Woo! uh no i'm kidding i uh i'm gonna go uh, no (laughs) no i totally am because i just wrote that one down now um i'm going with the because it was just a visually beautiful scene also at the end of episode two when their world changes from black and white to full color that was awesome yeah
1: also in black and white i think it further highlights the point the reality that one Uh, Elizabeth Olsen, the actress, has a truly beautiful, symmetrical face.
0: Yeah, I mean, in black and
1: white, it looks like she looks like a movie star.
0: She she does have that sort of classic look to her, for sure. Yeah.
1: Yeah, didn't hurt. (laughs) All right, Cap lifts the hammer award for best hero moment. See, this is tough because there's not a traditional good versus evil here.
0: You don't think so? For in terms of a hero moment, I think there was a very obvious choice.
1: My hero moment, I'm going super meta narrative with it, is within the talent show when he makes Geraldine appear. Because within that moment, it was the big grand finale of his magic act, which you could say is the equivalent to our hero moment within the context of the narrative.
0: Interesting because I mine is from that scene as well, but I'm going with Wanda sort of covering how Vision is doing his tricks with her power to sort of save their lie. I thought it was probably the best traditional hero display of powers and do goodery,
1: and it was funny too.
0: Yeah, yeah, sure.
1: All right, what's the worst thing you can say about this show, Eric?
0: As we've been saying, the casual fan might find this to be a tough pill to swallow, especially considering that they can't all watch at once. You know, not not only do they have to get them all at once, but it's week by week. You know, that's a commitment. That said, and then I'll just lead into my best thing, and then you could do both. I'm completely sold. I think for the first MCU Disney Plus series, this is uh, an exciting window into what this can be and the rap- like. As I've been saying the whole time about A, this these shows, and B, Deadpool being rated R, it makes me think about Moon Knight and what they're willing to do now with these sort of more fringed characters and stories, and as you said, embrace their weirdness. This is the epitome of that so far. This is as weird as the MCU has been ever. Yeah. And if they are able to stick the landing with the sort of traditional superhero third act type stuff that we've come to love and combine these two into a fully realized product, that will be yet another landmark achievement for Kevin Feige and Disney and co.
1: Tell them Eric preach preach church. (laughs) No, I agree with almost everything you said. Um, the worst thing I can say about it is what we've said about it. I, I will not fault you if you find the early episodes dull or tedious or too strange to embrace. I get it. I like them, but if you don't, I'm not going to argue on that one. And the best thing is that the potential implications WandaVision has for the MCU are tremendous. There is a reason why they are really emphasizing that it is going to lead into Doctor Strange 2, that it is going to connect with Spider-Man 3. And that is potentially... Representative of the future of Marvel, more multiversal type of story. So uh, I think I- i'm I'm intrigued by how they are using an amalgamation of sitcom motifs to tell an unsettling fantastical conspiracy while feeding into the future of the MCU. That's a lot of plates in the air all at once.
0: How many milestones on a scale of ten would you give? You've seen the first three. So why don't you rate the first three and I'll rate the first two.
1: I would say the first three, because I I think episode three is probably my favorite of the bunch. I would say eight Mindstones out of 10.
0: Okay. I was going to go eight as well, but since last week you pulled like an 8.6 on me, I'm going to go with 8.2 Mindstones. How do you fucking like that? How do you like that?
1: I see how <laughs> see what it's all about now, man. I see.
0: Uh, shit. all right, is that it?
1: I yet? mean, the stuff we think is cool, mentioning I don't have any fun trivia for that style. Uh,
0: that there were a lot of bewitched nods, and I think the two beds was a Dick Van Dyke homage. Yeah, do not quote me on that, but I, think.
1: I uh, Paul Bettany said he looked at the Dick Van Dyke show not only for inspiration for the whole show creatively, but for Dick Van Dyke and Hugh Laurie as his inspiration for this vision because this vision is far more slapsticky and you know cartoonish than the on screen the big screen vision that we got
0: yeah where he's very serious do you know what sitcom they do next
1: I-, I couldn't tell you specifically I just know the next is m- the 70s okay
0: but right. I, could,
1: I couldn't point to a specific sitcom in that era
0: got you all right Fingers crossed for research it bruh <laughs> well, i'm sorry i don't get screeners like you do i'm not in with the mouse house yet <laughs> soon my gotta, friend gotta keep slurping on him
1: <laughs> all right well we will obviously be back next week with more wandavision material until then please let us know your theories and wild thoughts and questions at post pod on twitter and please as eric always reminds you we'd really appreciate it if you left us a review especially on apple it helps our seo it helps us you know, attract more listeners, which let, lets us do put more time and resources into it. So, if you like us, just leave us a nice review. Don't be a dick.
0: I've said it better myself. Don't be a dick. New <laughs> year, barely. All right, uh, no, till no. next week. Talk to you later, peace, peace. peace. peace all